Uh, I guess it's time for us to begin our Bible class this morning. Uh, glad that you're all with us. Uh, just to kind of give you kind of a heads up where we, what we're doing, where we are. We are studying the life of Christ. Uh, we've been doing this for over a year now. Uh, we started in January of 2022. Uh, every Sunday and Wednesday night, uh, going through a series of lessons uh, chronologically through the life of Christ. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, looking at all the gospel accounts. And we are in lesson 107 tonight, if you're following along in the, uh, the handout, 107. Or we'll just be in simply in John chapter 14 today, if you just want to follow along in the Bible, John chapter 14. But again, we are here uh, less than 24 hours away from uh, Jesus' death, his crucifixion. Uh, he has got a lot of things still he needs to tell uh, his uh, apostles uh, that he has with them. And uh, if you were with us on Wednesday evening, in the last lesson, we looked at Jesus instituting the Lord's Supper. And of course, you know, we kind of pointed out to uh, that, you know, such an uh, impactful part of our worship is taking part of the Lord's Supper, yet Jesus instituted it within, you know, within hours of him uh, dying and crucifying and being crucified. And so that was sort of significant that we thought of. But of course, he, he gives them the instructions, right? He says, I want you to. You take this bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and uh, told them that this represents my body. And then he took the fruit of the vine and blessed it and drank that and said, this is uh, the blood of the new covenant. And we discussed, really, we spent a lot of time discussing some of the popular questions uh, that are surrounded around the Lord's Supper. Uh, we talked about um, how the early Christians observed it every first day of the week. Right? We really emphasize that every first day of the week, not just uh, when we feel like it, not just on special occasions, but the Lord's Supper was to be observed every first day of the week. Acts 20, verse 7, uh, Paul uh, at Troas, you know, he stayed there specifically to, uh, it says, uh, to uh, break bread with them, which is in reference uh, to the Lord's Supper. Uh, we talked about how, you know, we can't use other emblems, right, because he specifically told us uh, to eat the bread and drink the fruit of the vine, Right? And so we can't substitute hamburgers or uh, Coca-Cola in the Lord's Supper because Jesus, again, gave us specific instructions. Uh, we talked about how this was figurative language. Right? We're not necessarily uh, or we're not literally eating the flesh of Jesus and drinking his blood. But this is figurative for us to be reminded you know, every Sunday, every Lord's Day, when we come together and partake of this memorial service uh, together that we're reminded of Jesus' sinless body uh, being you know, nailed to the cross. And so uh, we talked about that. And we also emphasized you know, the, the contents of the cup is what Jesus was emphasizing. Right? It wasn't the cup itself uh, because that word cup, you know, he gave them the cup. He said, drink from the cup. Well, it's not the cup that Jesus was emphasizing, but it was what was in the cup that he was. And so... And we didn't get to talk about the last aspect of the Lord's Supper, but maybe we can do that here real quickly. Um, how are we to look at the Lord's Supper? And when I say look, you know, I use that in quotations. Uh, but, but what's going on? You know, maybe I'll just throw this out. Uh, you know, what's going on during the Lord's Supper as far as you know, how you, we are to look at it? Okay, remembrance. So uh, one, one point we could make is we're looking backwards. Right? We're, we're remembering uh, Jesus', again, his, his body on the cross. We are remembering uh, his blood being shed. 
and we're looking back. And that's what this is, right? The Lord's Supper is a memorial. So we're looking back. Uh, what other ways can we look at the Lord's Supper? Looking forward. Okay, yeah, so uh, looking forward, right? We're, uh, it's a, I like what one commentator says. It's a silent proclamation uh, as we partake of the Lord's Supper of him returning, right? That's what we're doing. We are silently uh, in agreement that Jesus is going to come again. And, and we are to do this every first day of the week until that happens. So we can, we can look back. We can look forward. A uh, couple more. What other types of ways do we look at the Lord's Supper? Okay, so we're, we're looking inward, right? We're examining ourselves. If we're simply just eating the bread and drinking the fruit of the vine, uh, the juice, and we say, okay, I've completed the Lord's Supper... Isn't there more to it than that? Yeah, there's a mindset. There's this process of examining ourselves, right? And so as we sit there and do that, uh, we are, again, we are examining our lives. And so there's, a, there's an inward way that we look. And then, uh, obviously, I think the last one uh, probably uh, be easy for us to get at is there's an outward way we're looking as well. Because what was, what was that one word that we brought up Wednesday uh, that sometimes the, the Lord's Supper is referred to? Someone say communion. Right. Communion, right? And that word is also translated some places, a fellowship, partaking, sharing. And that's what we're doing. We're, we're partaking this supper together. Uh, we don't do it all at different times of the day or even at different times in the worship service. So we, we partake. We're communing together uh, as we are, um, you know, taking the Lord's Supper. That was one of the problems they were having in Corinth, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that the, uh, the, those in the church there were uh, seemingly taking the Lord's Supper at different portions of the day. Some weren't waiting for the others, and Paul had to get on them about that. Uh, make sure when you come together, you know, you do these things together. So, yeah, so, again, we didn't get to look at that last uh, Wednesday night, but the Lord's Supper, you know, we, we look back, we look forward, we look inward, we look outward, and so there's all these different aspects to it. Okay, so uh, that, was the, uh, that was the lesson Wednesday evening. We'll move on to uh, John chapter 14 today. And uh, actually, the next few lessons are going to be from John 14 15 and 16, uh, because what we have here is what often referred to as Jesus's uh, farewell discourse. So again, he's got a lot of things he needs to say to the apostles uh, before they head to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's going to mention over and over again in this chapter that his death is drawing near. And we'll notice that as we read through here. But uh, he's going to tell them again, I'm going away. But don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let them be troubled. And we're also going to hear from three of the apostles that we haven't really heard much from. Uh, you know, we see Peter speak up from time to time, and we see John speak up from time to time. But three uh, of the other apostles that we haven't heard much from, Thomas and Philip and uh, Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other Judas, uh, they're going to speak up and ask Jesus uh, a question in this chapter. So uh, we'll notice that. So um, again, John 14, 15, and 16, here's the farewell discourse, and it's going to be filled with words 
designed to encourage and strengthen them. Uh, it's going to, he's going to explain why his leaving is necessary. Right? He's going to say a couple of times that uh, he's got to leave, and it's good for them uh, that he leaves. And we'll explain what he meant by that here in a minute. And, um, and also how his departure is going to benefit them. And so let's, let's just go ahead and we'll jump in. Uh, we'll do a couple of verses at a time. Hopefully we can get through all of John chapter 14 this morning. As I was studying this lesson, there's so many different aspects to this chapter that we might um, maybe go on a tangent on. Because, you know, we could read through this chapter and we, like, we might stop and say, well, hey, let's talk about the Godhead for a little bit. Right? Because we're going to see God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit prominent in this chapter. Uh, we could be reading through here and be uh, saying to ourselves, let's talk about heaven. Uh, because Jesus is going to talk about that in the first few verses. And uh, also towards the end of this chapter, he's going to be talking about th- this helper that he's going to send. You know, so again, there's, there's a lot of different ways that we could uh, go through this chapter. And uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, maybe some of the points will be more interesting than the others. But let's, let's go ahead and jump in. John chapter 14, starting in verse 1. Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Right, so he's leaving. Right? Do not let your hearts be troubled. He's leaving. He wants to comfort them. Um, he's going to stress later on. And let's just go ahead and jump to this verse in verse 27. He's going to stress to them uh, his peace, the peace that Jesus provides. Verse 27 says, A peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Uh, Do not let your hearts be troubled, nor let it be fearful. So he says that again, right? Do not let your hearts be troubled. Um, What type of peace does the world provide Sorry? None? Is there any peace outside of, outside in the world? Okay. I think we, there is maybe not biblical peace, but there is some peace that we can find, a temporary type of peace. I mean, I think that's what Jesus is trying to get at here. There, there is a temporary type of peace. That, that the world can provide, but that's not the type of peace that uh, Jesus will provide, right? That's dependent on, uh, you know, favorable circumstances, right? That's the type of peace the world provides, but Jesus here says, uh, I can provide peace that's not pre- uh, preferable on those types of circumstances. Right? Uh, it, it, the joy of being a Christian, is that peaceful to you? It is, isn't it? And, and so, uh, again, do not let your hearts be troubled, he says. Believe in God, believe also in me. Why would he say that? Believe in God, believe also in me. Because he knows the challenges they're about to face. Okay. He, he knows what's, what they're about to face, uh, the challenges. But why would he, I guess, why would he say believe in God? But also believe in me. <clears throat> Sorry? Yeah. 
Well, yeah, yeah, so that's a good point. So we've got, we've got the Father and we've got the Son in this verse. And Jesus, I mean, what's Jesus ultimately saying? I am God. God. Right, I am God. You believe in God. You trust in God. Believe also in me because I am God. Right? Trust in me as well. And again, here's that aspect of uh, the Godhead. And again, uh, we're not going to have time to do a full lesson on that, but it's just... It's one of those lessons that we need to understand, and uh, you know maybe you've heard the word Trinity before. Uh, that that word's not in Scripture, but it's, it makes the same case that there's uh, the Godhead is made up of God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, different personalities, right? But they're all divine. They're they're all God in nature, and so Jesus says, "Trust in, tr- you trust in God, trust in me as well, because I'm God." Uh, look at verse 2 and 3. It says, uh, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So, what was one of the reasons why Jesus had to go, according to him? Got to go prepare a place, doesn't he? He's got to go prepare a place for them in heaven, right? And, uh, you know, what is verse 2? Um, you know, my translation that I just read, in my father's house are many dwelling places. What, what, what do you have in your translation? Okay, mansions. Does anyone else have anything else? Rooms. Yeah, some, some might be, say, places. Um, what, what do you think of when you think of a mansion? Huge. A huge place, extravagant, right? Only uh, something that maybe uh, millionaires and billionaires would live in, right? That, that's what we think when it comes to that. Um, what, what we're really talking about here is, uh, you know, an abiding place, a place that Jesus went to prepare. Uh, that word mansion, uh, back when you know, that was being translated, meant something different than what we understand it today. So uh, we don't necessarily want to think of it as, you know, again, this big extravagant home that Jesus is going to build for us. But he's going to prepare a place for us. Uh, it's a sufficient place. Uh, Jesus is preparing it for it, right? So it's something that's magnificent. Um, and he also promises to come and get us. Uh, and guarantee our arrival there. Again, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you may be also. Look at verse 4. And you know the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. So Jesus says to his apostles, and remember, there's only 11 here because Judas is left at this point. But he says to them, you know where I'm going. Did it appear Thomas knew where he was going? No. So here we have Thomas, again, one of those apostles that we don't hear from much saying, you know, I don't know where you're going. Now, again, the apostles, you know, they got their mind on the physical, 
they're thinking about you know Jesus establishing a you know a physical government, a physical um, king, a kingdom, and so they're wanting. To, they're thinking, okay, Jesus must be going somewhere, right? He's going somewhere. But according to Jesus, where is he going? To the Father, right? Again, he's, he's still talking about heaven. That's where Jesus is going, to the Father. And um, according to Jesus, in verse 6, how does one get to the Father? Yeah, through him. Right. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Right? No one comes to the Father but through me. In John chapter 14, we're going to notice probably a lot of verses that we're very familiar with. Right? You know, we've already talked about uh, Jesus uh, talking about preparing a place for you. you know, that's a verse that we often hear, especially maybe at a funeral service. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 6 that we just read. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's another verse that we often uh, hear. And this is that here's another one of these I am statements that we've been studying in the book of John. This is the sixth one that he says. I am the way and the truth and the life. And again, it's when he says I am, that's very significant because he's saying uh, he's the great I am. Right? We sing that song sometimes, the great I am. Um, back in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, where God says, I am who I am. And now Jesus, again, he does this throughout the book of John. I am the door of the sheep. You know, I am um, here the way and the truth and the life. And so this is very significant when he says this. Um, he is the only way. Is it, is it possible to get to God any other way? No, it has to be through Jesus. Um, and he tells them here in verse 7, If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. All right? So, you know, Jesus is the embodiment of God in the flesh, right? And to see Jesus, to talk with Jesus, to learn from Jesus is to learn from God. And so... Um, so that, that was uh, Thomas's question. Look at verses 8 through 12, because now Philip speaks up. Uh, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. The greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. So Philip says here, uh, you know, show us, right? Show us. Lord, show us the Father, and it'll be enough for us. Have you ever heard that before? Have you ever heard someone say something to that effect of, you know, if, if only I could see uh, a miracle like we saw, we read about in the first century. If I could only see Jesus today, I'd believe. Have you ever heard somebody say, like, say that today? 
If I could only see it, I'd believe it. And Jesus, Jesus kind of reprimands him a little bit, doesn't he? He gets on Philip a little bit. He says, how long have I been with you? How long have I been with you? And um, because, again, Jesus is God, right? How long have I been with you? The same question can be asked of us today. Right? Uh, the same question. Uh, how long does Christ have to be with us before we truly can turn our lives over to him? You know, I think that's going to be the sentiment of a lot of people uh, on the day of judgment, right? That, that they're going to say, uh, Jesus, I loved you. Jesus, I, I, I followed you. But he, he's going to say, again, he's going to say pretty much the same thing he said to Philip here. How uh, have I been so long with you and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? Right? You had me. Right? You, you, today, this is, this is how we get to know Jesus today, right? Through this. This is the revealed revelation in full. Uh, all that, as Peter says, everything according to, uh, that God has given to us according to, <clears throat> to, to his word. He's given this to us. This is how we get to know him today. And yet there are many who um, are going to say on that day, you know, Lord, Lord. And he's going to say, I never knew you. Right? You never got to know me. You know, Philip, three and a half years alongside Jesus, watching him perform miracles, uh, watching him teach, teaching things that no one has ever taught before. Jesus himself saying to them on many occasions that he is, he is God. And yet he says to Philip, um, how have I been so long with you, yet you do not... Uh, you have not come to know me, Philip. You don't understand that I am God. And, uh, <clears throat> and then look at verse, uh, well, let's look at verse 11 again. Uh, believe me, and he says this over and over in these verses, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Uh, verse 12, truly, truly, I say to you, uh, he who believes in me the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. What do you think he means there about greater works? The apostles are going to do greater works. Okay, Jesus' resurrection? Yeah, that, that's yet to come. Okay. Yeah. Right. So Jesus is Jesus is going to die, right? He's going to go away as he as he spoke here. Uh, he's going to you know eventually ascend into heaven. Acts chapter one, Acts chapter two, the day of Pentecost, the church comes. Remember the the the, the twelve apostles uh, minus Judas, but plus with Matthias, uh, these twelve apostles. The Holy Spirit ascends upon them, and they begin to preach. They're teaching in tongues, right? They're, they're preaching in these other languages that uh, they themselves don't know, but other people do who have come from far off. And the day the church is established, and <clears throat> they're, they're going to do some great works. Now, in uh, quality, maybe their works aren't going to be as great as Jesus, but in quantity... You know, you've got 12 men now spreading throughout the, the world. 
Uh, Jesus was just central to Israel, right? When he, de- when he did his ministry, when he did his miracles, his works. And now he's sending his 12 out throughout the known world, the, no- the known Roman world. The apostles, of course, are going to have the ability to perform miracles and to um, you know, lay their hands on uh, individuals and to heal them. But by the time uh, the apostles die... Uh, those, those gifts, those miraculous gifts are going to fade away uh, because by that time, the church is going to be fully established. Again, the, the, the revelation is going to be fully written down by that part, by that time. But it says here that, again, they, they're going to do greater works than these. Uh, again, not talking about the quality, but the quantity because they're going to be spread out throughout the world. Um, you know, and we get glimpses of that in the book of Acts, Peter and John, the, the miracles that they perform. Um, but we, <clears throat> but we really don't get uh, too much of, of the other apostles. But uh, again, they are doing these things, going out, uh, spreading the kingdom. And so let's let's look at verses thirteen through fifteen as we uh, start to close out this class. Verse thirteen: Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me. You will keep my commandments. There's another verse, right? John 14, 15. Another verse that we hear quite often. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. But let's, let's back up to uh, verse 14. If you, ask me, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. What do you think that's in reference to? <clears throat> Exactly. Uh, up until this point, uh, you know, the prayers weren't in Jesus' name, right? But Jesus, uh, from this point forward, says, when you ask anything of me, you know, ask it in my name. But again, he reminds them there in verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Uh, verse 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever, that is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans and I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, uh, you will also live. In that day, you will know that I am, the fa- I am in my father and you in me and I in you. Okay, so here's another reason Jesus gives as to why he has to leave. And what is that? For this, this helper, this helper to come. And who is this helper that he's referring to? Yeah, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The, the, this uh, Greek word that is used, and it's used five times in the book of John. Uh, maybe you've heard of it being used before, uh, parakletos, or we might use the, the English word paraclete, a paraclete. And it just, you know, it, it's, a lot of translations will translate this word differently. And so you've got to kind of take all of them and kind of combine them into this uh, image to kind of help us better understand uh, the role of the Holy Spirit here, but he, sometimes it's the helper 
or comforter or advocate or counselor. But I think you get the idea when you think of those words today that this is someone who's going to come to your aid. Right? Someone who is going to walk alongside, that he's going to support them, that he's going to guide them and he's going to direct them. And again, this is another reason he says here of why he must go so that he can send the helper, send the helper. And what's he say the helper is going to help them with there? Yeah, let, let's skip to uh, let's skip ahead to verse uh, 25 and following <clears throat> because it, Jesus is going to get into a little bit more detail about the role of the helper that he's going to send to them. But it says, these things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Uh, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, nor let it be fearful. So, again, why is he sending this helper to them? According to verse 26. Yeah. Yeah. Did Jesus teach the apostles everything that he wanted to teach them in those three and a half years? He didn't, did they? Or he, he didn't, did he? Um, so he, the helper is going to come and teach. But also, he says, also to bring your remembrance to all that I said to you. Are the apostles human? Do we as humans tend to forget things? I mean, can we, can we, I mean, there are some people who have pretty good memories, right? Uh, photographic memories that can uh, remember quite a few things, but uh, I'm sure there were some things that uh, Jesus had taught them that they quite possibly forgot, weren't paying attention as much as they should. And so Jesus again says here in that verse uh, 26 that the helper is going to come, which is the Holy Spirit, and he's going to teach them all things. And he's going to bring to their remembrance those things that he said to them. And again, that's important because they're human. And they're going to need that when, as Jesus goes away. Um, but again, I want to emphasize to us today that, you know, today we have the completed, you know, revelation of God. That what he has revealed to us. Remember in my sermon this morning, I mentioned Deuteronomy 29, 29. Uh, the secret things belong to the Lord uh, the secret things belong to God, but the things revealed to us belong to us, right? And so there are things that God has revealed to us, and there are still things that God hasn't revealed to us. Those are the secret things, the things that we won't know about. Uh, maybe we'll know about them uh, in heaven, maybe not, but we have the completed word of God. Um, even the, the writers themselves let us know that. Uh, Jude, verse 3 Tells us specifically, he says, uh, this was Jude, the, the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, he said, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you, appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all handed down to the saints. He was wanting to write to them about their common salvation, but he needed to appeal to them about the, about the faith, and again, he says, which was once for all handed down to the saints. 
those who um, claim to have special revelation today, they don't believe that, do they? Uh, they believe that God is still speaking to them directly today, uh, giving them more extra, extra information. Um, some have gone as far as to, you know, write their own books, uh, start their own uh, churches. You know, we can think of, you know, if you know anything about the, the, the Mormon church, you know, the story of Joseph Smith, who uh, God supposedly talked to him and he recorded everything he had in, in a second book, you know, the Book of Mormon. Uh, you know, he didn't believe that the, the faith was once for all handed down to the saints, Right. And so <clears throat> we need to remember that when we're studying uh, John chapter 14 and also uh, John chapter 16, when we get to that next week, there's going to be um, more of the talk about the role of the Holy Spirit there as well. And about, again, the reason why Jesus uh, sent the Spirit to the, to the apostles in the first place. Because they're going to be those preachers, right? They're going to be the ones preaching and teaching, going throughout the whole uh, known world, setting up churches. Um, congregations writing those letters, the inspired letters. And so it's important for them to have uh, this, this helper that Jesus is going to send to them. We've got uh, a couple minutes left. Uh, verses 21 through 24. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. So Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words and the word which you hear is not mine, but the father who sent me. Do you have a red letter translation of the Bible? I know, I know there, a lot of people do. They're, they're pretty popular. They're, I mean, they, they help, right? When you're reading scripture and you see the red letters, and you, you automatically know, okay, this is Jesus talking. But uh, sometimes people have taken that a little bit too far and have said, okay, it's only the red letters that really count, that really mean anything. And so I've always, in my Bible study, I've always tried to purchase Bibles that don't have the red letters in there because, you know, because we understand that all Scripture is inspired by God, right? Just because it's written by Paul doesn't mean it's any less of importance if Jesus said that. And that's exactly what's going on here in John 14 and John 16 when we get to that later. Jesus is leaving, but he's sending them the helper. The helper is going to guide them into all truths. Uh, again, he's going to give them that knowledge that they need uh, to teach and preach and, and to write uh, those things. Those are the commandments, right? The commandments that we have to follow. Remember what the Apostle John said in 1 John 5, 3? My command, or his commandments are not burdensome. Have you ever, I guess, read through the scriptures and came to a commandment of Jesus and said to yourself, um, wow, this is pretty burdensome. Oh, the Apostle John says it's not burdensome. It's not. I know we, uh, we had a couple of verses to get to, but I'll save those for uh, Wednesday. 
uh, the last few verses of John chapter 14. But we're going to, again, we're going to be in these chapters next uh, couple of classes, 14, 15, and 16. So if you want to read ahead, uh, be more than welcome to uh, as we continue to f- finalize the closeout of this, uh, f- this discourse that Jesus has with his apostles before they start to head toward Gethsemane, the garden, uh, before his betrayal uh, will take place. So appreciate everyone's attendance this morning. And uh, let's go ahead and close our class with a prayer.